This episode of the PC Perspective Podcast is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash PCPer and enter code PCPer. Hey everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 367 being recorded on uh, September 16th, 2015. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. Hopefully I'm unmuted and Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmontano. You look a little blue, Josh. Are you blue? You got a blue screen on, Josh? Let me see Josh here. No? No. No, he looks all right. Well, I was looking at this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what? Uh, So welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, It's been another week. I feel like it has been a long time since we were last here. Yeah. I don't know. We like apparently we didn't talk about the R9 Nano on last week's show. We talked about the controversy surrounding the R9 Nano, uh, but not the actual card itself. And we were able to show it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and we did. And I had a really sore throat from talking so much. Oh, yeah. Because so you. Sorry. Yeah, don't brag. You, you published two articles in in a one week span. Did, well, I how know. many, how many do you have shocking? up today? It's like it's like a blue moon in a month. How many reviews do you have up this week? Uh, <laughs> as many as you have pixels. He blew, uh, he blew his load Zero early. by zero pixels. <laughs> he should have saved one for this week if he was smart. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, I did, because we didn't cover the first one that first week. Oh. Remember? Motherboard review was posted on Wednesday, but we had so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know what, Ryan? I'm going to take one for the team. Yeah, I'm going to take one for you. Yeah, thanks. I really I'm appreciate it. We're not going to talk about my content. No. Uh, so we uh, host this show. It's at pcpro.com slash podcast. You can find uh, RSS, MP3 downloads, past episodes, all that good stuff there. Uh, we do record the show on Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, at pcpro.com slash live. So you want to come join us, hang out in the chat room while we record the show, you can do that. And if you need a gentle reminder, of that event that is occurring, you can go to pcpro.com slash subscribe and uh, you can get this little page here where we ask for your name and your email address uh, and we just send you a little email notification, usually about an hour, a couple hours before uh, we go live for either the podcast or any other streams that we happen to be hosting that day or week. So uh, if you need that little gentle reminder, stop by to pcpro.com slash subscribe and sign up for that mailing list. That's literally all we use it for uh, despite Josh's wishes for the conference. And it is a gentle reminder written in the most genteel of language. I'm a very nice person in those emails. Guaranteed not to offend. Right. Yes. Josh does not write those emails. Exactly. <laughs> Correct. We'd uh, have more viewers if you did. If I offended people? No. Or if I let Josh If they were it. Josh Tech emails. I could just change the email yeah, list that's another to list. say it's coming from no, Josh No, we should just Tech. make another list. The Josh Tech list. If you would like to I'm, be notified of our live streams by Josh Tech... <laughs> Sign up for this list instead. We don't want you here anymore. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Longer, the Longer, harder, uncut. Yes. It reaches across the table. So we showed this last week. We don't have a, a whole lot of other stuff like physically here to show you. Uh, but the R9 Nano review did go up. It's been up for about a, almost exactly a week. So the chances mm. are most of you listening to this have read about it. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it. It is an incredibly small, incredibly powerful video card. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our review sample, uh, it performed within, let's say, 5 to 10% of a R9 Fury. Yes. And within 15, 20% of a Fury X. Mm-hmm. Uh, the primary competitor from NVIDIA at a similar form factor is the Mini 
like this Asus DirectCU2 or DirectCU Mini GTX 970 card, significantly slower, say 30 to 40% slower, but also significantly less expensive, let's say half. Okay. It's actually more, a little bit more than half. But this is like three hundred and fifty to three hundred seventy dollars mm-hmm. versus the R nine Nano that is six hundred and fifty bucks. It's a lot of money for still. Old, it's a lot of money. Very little GPU. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like we've talked about everything there is to talk about the Nano. Maybe we didn't, uh, but I do believe that most people have read the reviews. Uh, hopefully, they have. They've seen our video review. They've they've looked at all these pretty pictures here on our on our review page as well. Specifications-wise, it's still an impressive product. Um, it has the same number, same number of shaders. It does run at lower clock speeds. I guess I'll go ahead and show some of that. Uh, I do have a page here called GPU Clock, The Real Story, um, that shows something like this, right? <laughs> so this mess of a, of, a, of a line graph demonstrates six different games running on the R9 Nano and what GPU clock speeds they showed over about 100 seconds of time, uh-huh. uh, of benchmark time. And you can see, like, the green line here uh, stays near 1,000 megahertz, which is good. It has some dips down, but it does come back up and settles around a, a gigahertz. That's grid two. Uh, you can see this kind of light gray line at the bottom that starts real low, under 850, has some spikes up, but tends to come back down and settle below 850 megahertz. That is Bioshock Infinite. And everything else in between does something else a little bit different, right? The dark blue line here is Metro Last Light. It's pretty low. The orange line is Crisis 3. It's pretty low. Uh, GTA 5, Battlefield 4 go a little bit higher than that. That's 25 by 14. If we look at the same games under 4K, they're all lower. Okay. Everything is lower again. Uh, And all this is because the GPU, the graphics card, is attempting to balance... Uh, how much voltage it uses and how much power it creates mm-hmm. or dissipates, I guess, uh, to stay within 175-watt TDP. And that's what allows it to stay in this form factor with a single 8-pin power connector and uh, you know, basically meet the specifications that AMD put out so that you know if you put it in a system built for 175-watt GPU dissipation, it'll be able to handle that. So um, this is kind of the first time we've seen a card really do it do this in that way where it's such a high variance. We like GPU boost has been around for a while mm-hmm. on NVIDIA side, but we don't usually see this big of a variance from game to game. Um, but we also haven't seen a card that's taking such a high power GPU or potentially high power GPU and really restricting it down to uh, a smaller TDP. Mm-hmm. And you should look at these graphs and not see a, and not see a negative. Right. I mean, it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's doing what it's supposed to do. It's giving you the best possible performance it can in any given workload mm-hmm. and staying within that thermal budget. It's the exact same idea that what GPU Boost does yeah. on the NVIDIA GeForce cards, but AMD, this is the first time really AMD has implemented something. This card really to has to event. lean on that to Correct. function. Right. right. Yeah. So even though you say, man, they rated it up to a gigahertz, but it's only getting 825 megahertz on Bioshock Infinite, that's shitty. I mean, kind of, maybe, I guess you could look at it that way. But in reality, it's like, well, that's the, potent, that's the workload. Yeah. That's how much effort is being put forth by the GPU, and that's what it's doing. Now, if every game was 825 megahertz, you might be able to go out and say, okay, they're lying. They're not, doing, they're not really doing what they say they're doing. They're mm-hmm. not actually balancing it. They just kind of artificially picked something. Uh, but the fact that even at 4K, uh, GTA 5 is one of the higher frequency uh, average frequent or average frequencies, you know, while playing the game, mm-hmm. shows you that there's 
the just, workload matters. Yeah, that workload is easier yeah. power-wise yeah. on that card. And you can see here, like this graph here shows you the average clocks, and then you know between the two resolutions and uh, and that type of stuff. It's 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 pretty compelling when you when you see it, right? It was surprising to me that GTA Five was on the high side. Yeah. That it's even though we know it to be a very GPU-heavy game, hmm. uh, it the card was able to run at higher clock speeds than say Bioshock Infinite, which is a game that is much older uh, yeah. and runs at higher frame rates. So just GTA just wasn't as GPU heavy in a power consumption workload standpoint. My guess to, is that know. there is probably like there's some maybe the bottleneck is is on the compute side, yeah. and so the memory isn't being taxed very much. Right. So that's kind of settling it down. Power, Whereas with Bioshock yeah. Infinite, um, there's it's not as much of a bottleneck, so everything is being utilized at near 100. Mm-hmm. percent That's kind of that's kind of what you can assume based on on the results that we're seeing here. So it's it's pretty cool technology, uh, and and for uh, this doesn't mean anything in terms of platform to platform or, or, or GPU to GPU performance, but I knew people were going to ask, like, well, okay, does the GTX 970, this this micro uh, card from Asus, does it have, like, the same variance levels? And you can see here in our testing, it is GPU boost is does have variance, but it's always been fairly consistent. Okay. Like, like, you can see this yellow line here, which is Battlefield 4 and the 970, and it has a little bit of, of variance as it goes. And it's but not nothing, dropping it down very far compared to what its maximum was at the beginning. Right, either. right. And, and nothing more, you know, it's not as much as what we get across here, right? So okay. um, there is more variance on the R9 Nano, but I, like I said, I don't really think it is a negative necessarily. Yeah. It's just an interesting design decision, I guess. Uh, if we look at noise, we did have some issues with sound. Um, this card had a lot of coil wine. There were some other reviewers had the same kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, a lot of reviewers saw saw coil wine. Um, and this had a lot of it. Uh, and again, our sound measurement testing hardware doesn't really put all that in perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just kind of gives you an idea of what to look for. Um, so it's it's small and compact. It's not quiet, either from coil wine or when you get it in a case. Um, the fan spins pretty fast to keep that GPU running as cool as it can. And that's actually kind of a benefit because the air movement it's white noise. of it and the air movement of the CPU cooler that tends to be a little bit uh, faster in a mini ITX chassis is white noise that covers up coil wine. Mm-hmm. And the coil wine is like a variable thing as the frame rate changes, so that kind of helps, uh, I guess, ease people into it. What, what I noticed about this one, though, is it tends to whine like other GPUs, when they do have coil wine, it'll tend to be during loading screens or yeah. something like that. This one you can hear it while like the game was playing. Yeah, you could. You absolutely um, could. So it was a different kind. Yeah. Right. Um, you can see here. This is the we we did build in uh, build it into a small form factor case. This is the Cooler Master Elite One Ten, I believe. Yeah. Mini ITX chassis. We use the MSI board. I think I talked about this board last week. Um, the Are Z- you making it Nano Z One Seventy? Oh yeah, I'm making it Nano. Make it Nano. Maybe maybe if you make a nice enough Nano. You can win a nano. Oh man, I could win one. You could. Nice. Um, so we, we we do a build in there. This this graph basically is here to show you that um, the performance of the card didn't change when we moved in it into case. a mini ITX chassis. Okay. Right. Noise levels changed because mm-hmm. it had to spin the fan faster to keep the GPU at the same temperature or similar temperature. But you see the black and the orange lines there um, are, are are really much pretty much identical so it's basically just a, a solid regulation based on power draw correct which doesn't really you know the fan does its thing with temperature on alongside yep but not really connected with the yep. you know 
clock dropping down due to power. So here's an interesting graph uh, that looks at power consumption of the mm-hmm. card. The blue uh, line there is R9 Nano stock. The okay. gray line underneath it is the GTX 970 Mini. Okay. And the orange line is if you overclock it, if you go into the control panel and you take the power limit of the R9 Nano and set it to its maximum, like plus 50%. Okay. So the GPU can go faster, right? It's drawing as much as you know, 225 it, up to 250 looks, watts. It looks like there. it did add almost perfectly 50%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, but you can see, like, if you look at the R9 Nano in blue, how it's very consistent. Like, there's variance, obviously, in instantaneous sure. power draw, but it's a very flat line. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you look at the same benchmark run in the orange line, it's varying more as the workload changes. Sure, right, because it's it has more more potential headroom. And then the gray line there shows you um, that I was actually really surprised. I didn't. It it only used like 120 watts. The GTX the 970, 970 Mini, yeah. yeah. Um, for some reason, I had in my mind that it was going to be closer to the 175 mark, and I had to like do some sanity checks and like, okay, what did a re- what did like a yeah, what did it actually draw? A reference 970 actually draw, and I think it had a TDP of like 145. Mm-hmm. So and it didn't hit that yeah, really. slow. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's lower than I remembered it being. I guess because yeah. we were used to 980 Ti's and stuff. Right, I was used to like 980 Ti's, 250 watts, right? Yeah. But remembering that the 980 was only what 165. I think so. I think, and then the 970 is 145, so uh, it does kind of put things in perspective again there. And then in terms of that overclocking, um, this is what you get, right? So you, if you adjust that power limit up, we saw how the power consumption increased, but your clock speeds also increase. Which game was that? This is Metro Last Light. Okay, so that was one of the ones that was more limited right. before. Right, so you can right. see uh, at stock settings, we're running you know, about 875 to 900 megahertz on clock speeds. But once you turned up the power limit, you did kind of hit that 1,000 megahertz level pretty easily. And you can see there, there's what your uh, clock speeds are. We average, Our average went from 885 to 997 Okay. on that. So that's what you're overclocking. And, and if you do overclocking above that 1,000 megahertz, you're basically running into the same limits that we saw with the Fury and Fury X, which are about 1,050 megahertz. And they get really mad, hence the name. Yes. Yeah. So, very angry. So I'm guessing that quote that keeps getting thrown around about the overclockers dream thing or whatever for that. They never claimed it about this. It wasn't? No, they claimed it about the Fury X, the water cooled oh. card, which oh. was complete crap. Okay. Um, they never claimed that would be what this card is for. Okay. Uh, and, and if that's your goal, don't buy this card. Right? That's, that's kind of like my conclusion to this is it's an expensive card mm-hmm. in terms of performance per dollar. Even mm-hmm. compared to AMD's own lineup, the Fury is a hundred dollars less and performs better. Okay. The Fury X is the same price and performs more better, right? <laughs> uh, better. Right. If you have room for a full-size graphics card, who is well, who is drinking so much? They're they're into the next bottle. Of it. Who is that? <laughs> it's probably Josh. What is what in the? Do you have a mute button? Look over at him! There? Look at him! He's pouring. <laughs> what He's are pouring. You doing? <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. It's complicated. There is a mute button somewhere. October so is out. I mean, come on, this is serious business. He's bragging. So, so the gist of it is, it's a family environment. You've got to hear all the sounds. Uh, okay, it's a community. So basically, you need to have a system that you would need such a small card for space reasons. Correct. To buy only this, buy right? this card if you need this card. If you have, if you even if you have a mini ITX case that can fit a ten and a half inch video card. 
which a lot of them can. Like it's yeah. kind of what they call a standard graphics card. Then the 980 Ti or the 980 or the Fury uh-huh. or even the Fury X with its seven and a half inch PCB and the water cooling part of it are going to be better options than this. Yeah. Um, but there are many cases, and we're kind of working on a compilation of stuff around that that do require smaller cases or smaller graphics cards than the standard 10 and a half. And you can do that with this without the, having the hassle of installing a water cooler like the Fury X. Um, or if you're going to do a case mod, if you're going to build something custom and you have this interesting idea, maybe you use something like the R9 Nano to take advantage of it as well. It is, uh, it is widely available now. Actually, the R9 Nano, it's on sale on Amazon and on uh, Newegg. Both the Fury and the Nano are for sale for pretty close to their MSRPs. Fury X, not in stock anywhere on Amazon. They're like $1,000. Um, so don't buy that, obviously. So isn't there already a water block announced for this guy? Yeah, we'll talk about that later. I don't really know what the benefit of that is. Oh, there's one other thing. As he reaches across the table again. So I have, a, I have another one that I bought. Yep. Uh, this is an XFX one. I just it was it showed up on Amazon the night before the reviews went up, and I ordered it and bought it. Uh, and it came in, same performance, identical performance, way less coil wine, mm-hmm. like close to unnoticeable levels of coil wine. Yeah. So which it's is, not a you know it's not a consistent thing. It is not. It is, uh, well, I, and I ex- expected it to be like an entire family issue. Right, yeah. like all of the R9 Nano board designs were going to have this problem, uh, and that appears to not be the case, right? Because this one is great, and this one is bad. Mm-hmm. The one that AMD sent me is bad, and the one that I bought for both my own American dollars was good. And that's first of all, that's poor planning on AMD's part, uh, and second of all, that kind of sucks because now, like, if you get one in and you buy it. And there's some coil wine. Do you go through the trouble of RMAing or returning to try to get one that has less? Maybe you get one that has more. You it just, may just, you just be variability of whatever those chokes or whatever parts are making the noise. Yeah, That's I guess. Just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but where I was going with the with the water cooled thing is, mm-hmm. you know, for for that amount of money, if you put a water block on it and if you can keep it cool enough, couldn't you get the clocks of that the same as the factory water cooled? Yeah, sure. I mean, but it already costs the same right. as the factory water cooled without a water block. But isn't on it. that a little bit shorter? Even it's an inch and a half shorter. Yeah. yeah. So you can have an even smaller card that's water cooled. Same parts on. Again, it, if you don't have, right? if money's not a concern. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to buy the water block, which mm-hmm. is going to cost more, and you have to have the rest of the custom loop stuff. Right. That that. Well, if you're doing that, you probably already have the rest of that. Well, maybe. Stuff. Yeah, but I mean, the Fury X is is a self-contained deal. That would right. be a not self-contained deal. So, uh, I, I like I said in in the conclusion here, I really like this card. It has a very specific, fairly niche audience. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with the pricing on it because AMD is is targeting that specific enthusiast, right? As opposed to trying to go after you know the Fury is the card that they want to target the general enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, the Fury X is somebody, a specific person, and the, the Nano, and the Nano is, a is a specific person. person. So if you, if, you don't, if you like what AMD has built technology-wise, but you don't like the idea of paying more for a smaller form factor, mm-hmm. then buy a Fury. Right? That's, that's pretty much where we're at. So um, We'll have more on the Nano as time goes by. Maybe, probably, we'll see. We're trying to see if we can get you know, two or three cases that require the nano. Oh, yeah. You know, just kind of demonstrate 
see how they how they yeah, function, like, how you fit everything in there. Is it useful for anything? Like, is it is it cool to do that? Like, we have the Elite One Ten. That's one that shows off its need for it. But what other cases are out there that do? Those cases uh, are pretty small. Designs? If they're small enough, where you have to have that, yeah, those yeah. those are pretty small cases. Yeah, and they, they kind of get hard to work in when they are that small. Yes, trying to cram all. But that once you have built, they're pretty cool. Once it's built, it's great. But, but that's the case. Like, you know, Mini ITX pain in the ass to build in almost all of the time. If it's in a, that size case, yeah. Just mini ITX case is what yeah. I'm saying. Like, it's in a small case, yeah. I, I kind of like the idea of even if the card, depending on the case, even if the case can take a 10.5-inch graphics card, getting the shorter PCB and maybe stuffing a radiator in there where you yeah. couldn't necessarily fit yeah. it before. It all depends on the layout of the Sebastian case. I Sebastian found but... a case that could fit a 10.5, but if you put a full-size graphics card in there, you couldn't have as many, you didn't have as many storage options, like for hard drives, yeah. I think is what it was. Yeah, eight into the base. So if you have a smaller card, then you could have more hard drive space. You know, there's, there's interesting ideas for that. Uh, go ahead, Josh. You know what? It, it kind of, this is an interesting academic discussion because we can go back to classical definitions of supply and demand. How do you think supply for this card is? I mean, an overall thousands of units. Uh, not very high, maybe. Yeah, but I'd say six to ten would be yeah, my guess. But, okay, well, I, I would agree with that. But they're still available everywhere. So, what does that mean about demand? Oh yeah. Well, okay. Or the price is too high. You know, and we had this discussion demand. over Twitter. I said, That's you know, demand. if they had had it, four hundred fifty bucks would have been sold out everywhere. Yeah, no but, doubt yeah. about it. But let's be fair. Like we shit all over AMD when the Fury X was launched because you couldn't find any. That's true. And so now we're going to crap on them because you can find them in stock. Uh, well, right? no, like, no, no, no. This again, we're going back to an, an academic discussion. Is AMD hit a really good spot? with Fury X in terms of performance, price, and what it brought to the table. Mm-hmm. You can't get one because of the intangibles and the tangibles of what you buy with that money. But with Nano, you get, yeah, it's it's less power, it's a smaller form factor, and it doesn't perform as well, but it's got some neat bells and whistles, but they're charging at the same price as the Fury X. Would it be better for AMD to lower that price, to ship more product, and to actually balance out that whole supply-demand thing? Or do you think that it's a better idea to keep it up high and still have plenty of product available to maybe make people think, I don't know, that they're producing enough? I I mean, this is a topic I I can see all sides with. I mean, personally, I do think that if they had to put it at 550 bucks. They still would have sold it out, but then it provides you know competition to the regular Fury. But and there's where, our, where do you put that? There's um, our Fiji GPUs that can't sell anything else, or they're taking a probably loss on, or at least a substantially lower margin. I, I don't disagree that if you price it lower, chips. yeah, I don't disagree if you price it lower, they'd sell more. But if what's the benefit of selling out in two days if you're going to sell out in two months anyway for a hundred dollars more? per card right we don't I, know if that's going I, to happen i guess but yeah we don't know that and we don't know their actual production numbers or how much they're adding to the market on a month-by-month basis uh but you know maybe in the next month we'll see some price adjustments 
to try to maximize their their earning potential with the products that are actually able to produce. Right. I mean, that's all they're trying to do, right, is maximize that, whether that be we're going to sell – we think we can sell this many at this price, but we think we could sell more of them for $50 less if we could make – sell enough to cover that difference, they would do that. Obviously, but everybody tries to do that all the time. That's what every company does with every product release. Um, and plus, it's fun to you know poke fun at the bean counters at big corporations when I'm just sitting in my office that's really dirty on a podcast. And, you know, I, I mean, that's, that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they it's, sell it's through. It's easy to be a critic. Maybe they sell through because of lack of availability for the Fury X. So people go, well... Buy that in a water block. Move on. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to a couple of other quick things. Uh, one is the Skiva. That's right. You heard me. The Skiva PowerFlow oh, 7 Stand Charger. That's what that was called. What a what a fantastic name. Uh, this is it's a real not quick. Skiva, is it? No, I don't think so. Skirby. Okay. I, I don't actually. I don't know how to pronounce it. Is your such Skoda? What what is the what is the is this what country is this what language was the same when i was trying to do I don't the remember but alan and i learned it's pronounced skoda this week so maybe it's skiva yeah <laughs> well maybe it is skiva but i'm a dumb american so i'm gonna say skiva <laughs> uh this is this is what this is you're basically looking at a seven port usb charging stand device this is for people who have multiple phones or multiple tablets uh, live in a house with people that have multiple devices or, you know, whatever. You have lots of friends over there always trying to charge their or crap. Or a school or a business. Or school or a business. And the idea is pretty simple. You see all those USB ports on the front. You can charge it up to 2.4 amps output from each of those simultaneously. All seven. All seven. All right. Uh, and then those little plastic dividers are meant to help hold up your tablet or phone in a neat way. Right? So... This is has a power button. I don't, I don't, whatever. So here's what it's supposed to look like, right? So here's, you know, some of the tablets and phones we have around the office, um, all plugged in and charging. It looks, it, it looks nice, and it's more organized and kind of setting a whole bunch of stuff on a shelf or on a countertop. Um, now the problem is, as you can see here, cable uh, management. If you have, yeah, cable management's a pain in the ass when you have seven USB cables <laughs> um, kind of hanging off. That kind of ruins some of the. Uh, clutter-free aesthetic that you mm-hmm. get out of the device with the stand on it like that. The solution that this company has is this little device, which is a, a short cable um, that has an adapt. It's a micro USB cable with a lightning adapter on it. Um, the problem is that cable is ten. No, was it ten dollars? More than ten bucks, or it was just it was, a little more. I think than it was ten dollars. I think um, for that one from the same company, Skiva. That, uh, that that sells it. It's really handy and it makes things a lot more organized, but it is significantly more expensive. The charger itself is sixty five bucks. That comes with the base and the AC adapter for it. No cables, uh, and then the USB Link Short Lightning Duo two and one is ten seventy five. You can find the same like Amazon Basics Lightning cable, a four inch cable for seven fifty. You can find short USB cables for. Um, like $2, right? So if you know you're only going to use USB cables, you can save a lot of money that way. Um, but the idea is nice. And I think it's surprising, you know, if, if me and my wife at home, there's only two of us, but we each have a phone, we each have a tablet. Um, I'll, I'll usually Got have a baby w- monitor. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, like I'll usually have an extra tablet with me that I'm kind of testing. My watch, my my Pebbles charges through USB. My headphones, my Bluetooth headphones charge through USB. And it's easy to like suddenly say, oh, okay, like my dog's uh, uh, ID trackers that are on their collars charged by USB. Like all of these things I can plug into those uh, ports and, and try to keep things a little bit more organized. So even or how though, do you get the dog to stay by the charger? <laughs> they're very good at sit stays. They're very <laughs> good at long term uh, long term reactions. There, so it's sixty five bucks. It's a neat little device. Um, so check it out. If that's something you're interested. In. And, I, and like I said, I think it's it's uh, easy to think that oh man, I'm never going to need to charge seven devices. But uh, what are you doing with my iPad? I'm looking at the split screen, ignoring the entire podcast. Stop playing with my stuff. You're talking about a charger. Stop touching my things. Exactly. You know, I've, I've got, what, a wife and two kids and yeah, uh, three dogs, two checked. cats, maybe a hamster or two. Okay, no hamster, but most likely rodents. But, you know, we all have things we could charge, and that would be handy. It is. In one place. And people wouldn't be losing cords all the freaking time. That's true. Yes, they would. <sighs> the, the, uh, <laughs> now, there are, like, uh, cheaper six-port and five-port chargers. Um, what's Same that company? Com- what, no, what's the company that we – Anchor. Anchor. Like the ones that look like a brick. Mm-hmm. This is like – it just keeps things more organized, right? When you have them kind of up at an angle. Like I'm looking at it over there on the on the shelf and it's just – it's a little bit neater, easier to grab, easier to separate as opposed to like stacking them on top of each other, worrying about scratching each other and all that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, just something, something to look at if you're interested. You know what we're going to talk about next? We're talking about wireless networking. This is the absolute worst thing to ever test in the world because we live yeah. in such a noisy environment around my house that it, depending on what time of day it was yeah. and when the sun was shining down on us at 7,200 feet, my results could be radically different with the same equipment in the same place. Yeah. yeah. And what even more interesting is that this is a killer networking product that Sebastian actually really liked. Yeah, yeah it's kind of depressing. We, we, we poo-poo on them quite often. Uh, but it's mostly because of it's Qualcomm, right? It is Qualcomm now. So I mean, no, Rivet, Broadcom, Rivet is the uh, Rivet network. Didn't one of the big ones buy I them? Thought, I thought Qualcomm bought them. I'm not. I don't remember now. So instead of focusing on silly stuff like having BitTorrent clients running on your NIC and stuff like that, they running actually, directly on the NIC. Yeah, running directly yeah, yeah. on the NIC. They actually focused on okay, what can we do to actually make? So like, there's two things about this this uh, the, the killer wireless AC1535. So it came as part of the um, MSI GT72 notebook that we did a review on already uh, that had the GTX 980M in it, I think, and and it was a really impressive gaming machine. Um, this has that wireless AC controller, and it's interesting for a couple of reasons. One is killer software. The other is that it's the first, or one of the first, to use multi-user MIMO. Um, so uh, the it's MU MIMO, MU standing for multi-user, uh, MIMO standing for multiple input, multiple output. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is MIMO, as a wireless technology, basically allows you to get better bandwidth uh, from a device if you had multiple frequencies open at the same time? Or Multi, ch- multi-user MIMO. No, no. St- what the, what the standard normal MIMO? Normal, normal, normal MIMO. MIMO. Yeah. Right? So it was basically to improve performance, but it could only, the router, a, a typical consumer router could really only communicate in a MIMO fashion with one device 
at, at a time. time. Yeah. Right. And so if you had multiple MIMO capable devices, you, you still had... They're still sharing. They're still sharing, right? So with MU MIMO, multi-user MIMO, it's, it's using beamforming uh, to allow the same performance improvements on multiple devices. And again, the number that you can support depends on your router's capabilities, right? How many antenna it has mm-hmm. and how many it can address at the same time. Um, you know, one by one sports one stream, two by two is two streams. Um, and then once you go beyond that, you again get into the, the whole time splitting sharing mm-hmm. type stuff. So, uh, MU MIMO is interesting. Especially- I thought it was MIMO. No. I think it's I mean, it's really, I've a, always heard it as MIMO. It's not a word. So. MIMO. No, it's not. <laughs> Whatever. But, but typically, people have always said MIMO. I've, I said MIMO. Because it's all about me, Mo. Word. Um, anyway. So, so what, the interesting thing here Kinda is... Kind of like GIF? Like, no. No, that's not like GIF because it's a GIF. <laughs> Carry it's on. It's only GIF. Uh, as you were talking about, testing performance of wireless is really hard to do consistently uh, and reliably. And one of the things that you'll notice is, you know, maybe you upgraded to a new 802.11 AC router. Uh, You have your iPhone and your iPad and your laptop. They all have 802.11 AC. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're doing something and you get really awful performance and you don't really know why. Um, So if we skip past this individual stuff, the test that I really like here is, uh, where is it at? Where you, you have two devices with the, so uh, Killer sent us a router that supports MU MIMO, obviously, to do this testing with. So you have one device that is using it. You start a transfer. It's running at, I don't know, let's say 40 megs per second. And you start something on a second device, and it's going to like 8 megs a second. Mm-hmm. It's like, why does this make any sense, right? This, this router is supposed to have 3 gigabits of wireless bandwidth capability. Mm-hmm. Why is it doing that? And it's because the first device is kind of hogging all of the timeshare. And it is utilizing it all, and it's not sharing it effectively. Uh, multi-user MIMO allows you to do that. So they went from Sebastian, who did all this testing, and he took him a long time. He did a lot of work on this. Um, so if he started this first transfer, it was going at 36 megs a second. Um, and then he, the second one went at 8 megs a second. That was with MU MIMO disabled. When you enable it, you uh, have much more consistent sharing. So the Dell system that only runs at 20 megs per second, but it is a one-by-one device. Mm-hmm. The second system is now running at was that 20 megs per second as well. So instead of getting one at 40 or one at 30 and one at 8, yeah. you're getting both at 20. Um, and that obviously will change based on the, the router support, uh, based on um, how many channels, like it's not channels, but... Two by two, what is that called? Two by two, three by three. Number of antennas, number of radios. Yeah, like how much support it has in all of that respect um, will affect kind of what your overall performance is um, for a device. But the MU MIMO just means that more clients can attach at the same time and improve the experience for every user mm-hmm. as opposed to whoever happens to have gotten preference first, whether or not whether it be that you started your transfer first or your device just has preference on that router or whatever. Um, and we also you also did see some raw performance throughput gains. It looks like he went from uh, 255 megs per second to 321 megabits per second uh, in that regard. Um, so there are some just kind of raw bandwidth improvements to go along with the kind of multi-user improvements. Yeah, it's beamforming. That's 
good stuff. If you yeah. Think. There was some trick to getting it enabled or something he was dealing with, but once he figured it out. Yeah, and I think that's it was probably like a non-retail firmware, probably, yeah. because probably wouldn't ever, I don't know if you'd ever want to disable it, necessarily. That's the thing. I wish this yeah. would just immediately become the default on everything. It right? may be. It, yeah, it's going to take it a little bit of time, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the other thing he tested was the the killer software on the MSI laptop itself, right? And and it's it's an interesting, you know, the GUI's kind of Windows eight ish. Uh, that the it's pile. using a- it's using apps. Yeah, it'll probably be updated. Or I'm tiles guessing, or whatever. You know, something that's a little bit more standard looking. Um, now that Windows ten is out there, so the basic idea here is that you you can set priority on applications. You can set uh, uh, limits on applications for upload limits, download limits. That's pretty cool. And some stuff you can do in the router, but you have a little bit more finer grain control of it when you can do it on your local PC. Uh, and he uses uh, one of these examples, right, where uh, he, he runs a torrent download in the background that's not throttled in software in any way. Mm-hmm. And then he's playing TF2. I think it's TF2. Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, and his ping goes from like 35 seconds up to like 700 mm-hmm. right why is that happening because your bandwidth is all especially your upstream is all being sucked up and basically you're waiting in a queue so anything that's going out from your game has to wait in a line behind a whole bunch of other data that's going out yeah and has to wait you know it gets backed up all and network traffic being treated equal yes in that it just case. Gets, basically it's treated sequential yeah right so everything you know so then, you know, he goes into the software, uh, into the QoS software in Killer, and what did he do here? He did... Uh, he puts in uh, this there. game mode thing. Okay. So it basically puts priority <coughs> on the gaming traffic, probably UDP. Uh, it could be that, or it could just be... It's, it's probably just... Um, throttling back because i think he talked about like if you look at the transfer speeds of the torrents yeah like the download speed it's actually like a megabit slower when he has it turned on okay so typical qos thing is it figures out what your max speed is and then i'm thinking this is just adaptively doing it and then it adaptively pulls it back just a little bit the idea is you don't want to saturate. So you're never saturating you're, you're never yeah. saturating okay. up or downstream right so if it just artificially throttles the the big thing that's using up all the bandwidth, like in this case, qubit torrent, just pulls that back a little bit. Then the connection would appear wide open for anything else that's using a little bit of bandwidth, like the game. Right. right so in this case, the the prior or the uh, ping to the TF2 server only went up by ten milliseconds mm-hmm. when running uh, the 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 torrent client. You know, and like you're saying, if yeah, it's it was- only one or two megabits less in actual bandwidth, you're not losing a whole lot of performance and speed that mm-hmm. way. Um, but you are getting a much better kind of overall experience for and, it. And this is this is the same kind of thing that you can do in some router firmwares. They tend to not get it right. Really? Um, well, they're just yeah. kind of guessing what the traffic is. Well, no, you have to you have to put the numbers in. Oh, okay, okay. For for those, they're not adaptive generally, right? Um, but you kind of have to know what you're doing, and you have to know what your max bandwidth actually like. You're not what your ISP said, but what you're actually getting. So you kind of have to test that yourself, right? And, you know, so it's complicated, right? It's not just a checkbox, right? Whereas where this is, right? It's just a little button 
hit the other thing, and all of a sudden it's tantalizing for you. It's kind of cool, right? So having an application base, application level control over it, it's nice. So mm-hmm. he said he basically went into uh, the priority first torn application and set that priority to low, and went into the browser and set it to high, mm-hmm. right? And boom, now it, it will shape and 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 th- do things that way. Yeah, that's cool. Um, now keep in mind if you have multiple machines on your network, it will. If this is adaptively doing it, then if you have something else that starts to download or your wife starts watching a show on Netflix or something, yeah. this should pick up on, oh, wait, my max is Your lower. max is lower. It might take it a few seconds to right. kind of figure it out, but it should. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's interesting stuff. Like, I don't uh, – he suggests kind of in the conclusion of the story that, that they should offer this – as make a USB device, right? And instead of only being OEM installed mm-hmm. type things. So like if you have a desktop machine, you can run it. I think we just need to see more MU MIMO devices actually out, uh, start to come out, right? So like yeah. the Snapdragon 820, uh, its uh, modem inclusion does have MU MIMO on it by default, right? So the more phones and tablets and laptops we see with that will directly translate into a better kind of overall wireless experience for mm-hmm. everybody. We'll just have to see how long it takes to get there. Yeah, because you can't just – you have to have MU-MIMO compatible other devices. Like the more of them you have, not just your router, but the right. more of those MU-MIMO devices you have in your house, the less likely those non-MU right. versions are screw to all up. You know, screw up all the bandwidth. Yeah. All right, um, let's take a quick break here before we jump into a handful of news items and thank today's podcast sponsor. That's right, Josh. It's your very favorite sponsor, Casper. Did, did they make uh, stain-proof uh, mattresses? Uh, well, you can probably have stain-proof mattress pads. I will say this. The Casper mattress that I have does have a zip-off removable cover. Okay. Well, that's positive. That's pretty good. No, uh, not the plastic back one, though, right? Just no, the, just no. The, the Terry cloth. No, yeah, thing, it's right? it's actually a comfortable one. It doesn't yeah. make noises when you roll around on it or anything either. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't. That's why I put me, uh, newspapers under my, my sheets. Crinkle, 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 crunch, Exactly. Crunch. It's comforting. So. Uh, Casper, if you don't know, is an online retailer of premium mattresses at a fraction of the cost. They are revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms and passing the savings directly to the consumer. So if you don't know what Casper does or what the benefits they offer, uh, they call it an obsessively engineered mattress at a very fair price. It uses two technologies, latex and memory foam, together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right of, uh, amount of sink and bounce, and it provides long-lasting comfort and support. I actually have one of these now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think? I like it. Well, he doesn't a lot. know he's got a kid. He never sleeps in it. That's true. <laughs> well, I never sleep for very long in it. Let's put it that way. It was it, we got the mattress kind of right as Emmeline was coming home, and I thought, you know, what? this is a good, this is a perfect test oh, yeah. because the few hours of consecutive sleep that you get, you want to be as comfortable good sleep yeah. as possible. Um, and I, I I like it. So I've never really had like a memory foam mattress. It, so it took a little while for me to get used to it. That is true. Both in terms of like my body actually getting used to it, and then my mind getting used to it about how a, like how it feels when you sit down on it and roll over on it and yeah. get out of bed on it and stuff like that. Uh, but it didn't take long, and I like it a lot. Um, okay. The dogs have no problem with it either. They seem to really enjoy uh, the memory foam. <laughs> they will 
They all sleep in the most uncomfortable looking positions on the mattress. That sure. says uh, some pretty good things. And with Casper, you can buy it online easily. It's completely risk free. Uh, you can try sleeping out, uh, try sleeping on a Casper mattress um, for up to 100 days, risk free. So uh, if you don't like the idea of going to a showroom and laying down on a mattress for four minutes and going. Well, I don't want this guy to look at me anymore, so I guess I'll just buy this mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, you can avoid that by going to uh, Casper and, and trying it out. They'll send it to you. You try it out for 100 nights. If you don't like it, they send somebody to come get it and take it away, uh, and you don't have to pay anything uh, back to them. And did you know Did you know this? Statistically, lying on a bed in a showroom has no correlation on whether or not it's, not, it's the right bed no, for I've you. I've made that mistake, so I know that. I don't, I'd like to know where they get their statistics from. I'd like, I'm going to a little asterisk by that for statistically. <laughs> I'm sure they did a survey. They interview people walking back into a mattress store going, ah. Right, yeah. On the survey of 100 irate mattress customers, <laughs> 98% recommended. Uh, Casper mattresses are made in the USA. You can get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. Uh, comparing this to industry averages, wow. that is an outstanding price point. Yep. They ship it to your house in a box. It sounds weird when I say that. And then you carry the hundred pounds. Is it like three UPS guys coming to deliver that no. to your door? It's a, it's a, it's a hundred pounds for a king size. Soaking wet. Yeah, yeah. You carry the box upstairs. It recommends two people. I would highly recommend two people because it's a very dense item. Yeah. And you have to open it up inside the room with which you are going to install it. Uh, because you open it up, take the bag off. It inflates. It, and it basically like poofs out. Mm-hmm. What were those things you used to put in the water and they expand like little pills? Yeah, the little dinosaurs. Shrinky oh, dinks. Oh, yeah. Was that yeah, the little shrinky yeah. dinks? You put it Something in there like and it poofed. Oh, those were the big ones. The shrinky dinks where the big becomes the small. Yeah, they went yeah. the opposite oh, way. Okay. But no, these are the little capsules the that had the dinosaurs in there. You throw them in yeah. the water and yeah. they expand. Yep. This doesn't have like an explosive expansion. No. Aw. Uh, Depends on how big of a room you're in. But it was faster than I expected <laughs> it to be, uh, for sure. Um and the best part about this is you can save fifty dollars as one of our one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash pcper. Enter the promo code PCPer. That's Casper.com slash PCPer promo code PCPer and we thank them for their support of us. Us, the people here doing this show. So Yeah, Biohazard, I agree. Somebody in the chat says that's what a hand truck is for to carry that up the stairs. It's true. It's true. If we had one. I had one. Oh, it was, you did. It was still uh, angle of stairs, not the best. It's pretty steep. Pulling something 100 house. pounds upstairs is still not fun. It's still it's still not fun. It's still yeah. not fun. All right, so let's get to a couple of news things here. Uh, we talked about the R9 before you, the R9 Nano. You talked about a water block for it. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, what do we know about this full cover water block? Do you have a price or release date? It oh, looks it's just cool. cute as a button. As yeah, it is. is. Look how nice that looks. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty sweet. Oh. There's two different ones. The one you're looking at is the one, of course, that obviously has a see-through top. There's another version which does not quite so much. Ah, I see. But uh, as you might expect, the acrylic glass uh, is 100 100 euros, more or less. Hmm. Uh, Whereas the one that, uh, if you scroll down and you just have the machine metal on top of it, is about 90 euros. So, say about 100 and 112 US dollars right now. I assume it ships with that single slot front plate too, right? Because all the R9 yep. Nanos have the dual slot on it. So that would be, yeah, you, you definitely would want that on but, there. But, I mean, just think how much smaller a system you could get this in. Because the, the original Nano crossfire. is tiny, but this thing. Smallest it's, crossfire system ever. 
Yeah. Uh, it, the the uh, radiator is going to be bigger than the bloody car. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, but you can get them now. Uh, they're probably having some supply problems because they recommend it's going to be about 10 days before you can expect delivery. Huh. But at, at that price, you've already dropped, what was it, uh, almost $700 on an Anno. You're yeah. not going to flinch at a $100 add-on for it. A bit of Especially really one of cool sexy. custom case. Yeah, like really I, cool I, this one with the, this one with the, the window. I think you you could do some really cool. Oh yeah, it, that would look really nice. I again, you're getting to the areas of does it make sense financially? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Like if you had two of these in a system with like uh, uh, the that what's that the hard acrylic tubing that I like that's like really a micro hard, ATX to, board that you have maybe to bend yeah on yeah. your own you get a micro ATX. Set up in there. Be pretty cool. I think. Wow, I think it'd be. Awesome. That'd be so hard of a build. Though. Oh, it would. It would be. It would not it. be what I recommend for somebody to do for their first. We'll <laughs> probably see something like that at QuakeCon next year. I, I would, I hope, would so. hope so. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to. That see would probably be that. a thing. So, do you want to take a card that's already kind of overpriced per performance? <laughs> but you're not add, buying it for performance. You're, you're not buying it for the size. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you're making it. Even size. I, I, I even like how it just kind of like wraps around the power connector up yeah. here. It's it's completely unnecessary, right? And it just looks. But it's cool. pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really pretty. Is. Well, I like that because most water blocks don't kind of double as a replacement for the housing. Nope. Right. right. Like that's. But does re- it turn green over time? That's what I want to know. Hopefully not. You know, I don't so know. What are you doing to it? Oh, is that is that copper? Yes, it is. On the outside. It's copper. Really? Yep. I yeah, got it's bad. machine copper. Ooh. I think they probably thought about going. They must have corrosion. coated it with something. They <laughs> really must so. have coated it with something. You'll or you'll get the, the special I mean, AMD brand metal of labia. polisher. Labia. Labia. Lady Liberty and all, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Green cards. Nobody wants a hand that smells like pennies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure someone's into that. <laughs> if they are, they are uh, now. I will. I'll say everybody should look up the ass penny skit. That's all I'm gonna say. We're yeah, not gonna talk I about it here. Forever. But as soon as I said it out loud, I was like, "Oh yeah, that one. That's right." <laughs> well, what show was that? It's like copper. Was that Upright Citizens Brigade? Yeah. UCB. Yeah. Oh, anyway, uh, speaking oh, of yeah, water, check out the Aqua Computer Cryograph Schooler. Water cooled graphics cards. They're pretty cool. This is this just happened like an hour before the podcast went up. Corsair and MSI introduced the Hydro GFX liquid cooled GeForce GTX 980. Um, so, a graphics card with a closed loop liquid cooler is a little more mainstream these days. With AMD's Fury X as a high profile example, and now a partnership between Corsair and MSI is bringing a very powerful NVIDIA option to the market. So you can tell if you look at this picture, it's a standard size video card. It's a standard shape um, housing. Has right. the fan too. Has the same the blower fan on it, uh, but you have a water cooler, self-contained water cooler, working. Oh, an H55. Yeah. Okay. There it is. It's a cooled by an H55 liquid cooler. Keeps the card's hottest, most critical components, the GPU memory and power circuitry, 30% cooler than standard cars while running at higher clock speeds with no throttling, boosting the GPU clock 20% and graphics performance by up to 15%. Um, that's pretty cool. I mean, and this is stuff that we've seen before, and of course, there has even sold upgrade kits mm-hmm. for this thing. But, but this way, at, you don't have to worry about the kit. Look at this shit. Look at that. That's a nice. That's box. a Corsair branded video card. Everybody, it's weird, isn't it? So Powered by MSI. It's built by MSI, right? 
but it's being sold as a Corsair Just when you thought that they didn't make product. enough different things. Right. As if, like, okay, so now we can get a case uh-huh. and a power supply and an uh-huh. SSD uh-huh. Fans. and a CPU cooler and fans uh-huh. and memory. Uh-huh. Don't they make keyboards? Keyboard and mouse yeah, and headset. headset. Hmm. And speakers, if you need speakers. But they didn't make video cards yet. Now I can get a video card. All I need now is a processor and, and a motherboard. motherboard. <laughs> I need a Corsair 6700K. Yeah, and uh, a Z one seventy. Maybe they take the the the, the bare dies, mount it on their special substrate, and <laughs> yeah. then create a cooling solution of you know special solder and a uh, and a and a special superconducting uh, yeah, yeah. heat cap. They can have their own. Yeah, their CPUs come CPU. boxed with the the cooler, right? Yeah. So the PCB is actually a heat pipe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised uh, it took this long, to be honest. Yeah. Cool the CPU from both sides like, at the same time. I, like, I want to know... It kind of seemed like they were going to do this for a while, right? Does it? They've been dipping their toes in with the brackets so and who's stuff. Doing the RM, who's doing the RMAs? Who's <laughs> doing the support? I bet it gets shoved to MSI. I think each one that comes out, they're, they're going to send an email to each other and say, heads or tails. I think it would have to flip. go through yeah. Corsair, though. No. Damn it, Corsair. I think it would have to. I think it has to go through MSI. Since they're the seller, right? And I, I mean, I Corsair. Well, says so Corsair is in Fremont, MSI is in City of Industry, so that's like a five-hour drive. I was thinking they just like drive down the street, like here, fix this <laughs> yeah. truck full of right, to bring and down, take the- it back. Well, they probably rip apart and say which is the problematic part. It's the PCB. There's something in there. Shipped yeah. to MSI. Yeah. Hey, it's our cooling. Well, we'll take care of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. They've got people. And I'm sure they horse traded. You know, a bit more money goes to MSI so that Corsair can put their name on the box. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like. Clearly, MSI has the resources to actually do the RMAing and production and all that stuff. Um, so does Corsair. Corsair is the brand. Yeah, but Corsair has an RMA. Like, they're not going to fix PCBs yeah. or anything like that. I don't think MSI does that either, to be honest with you. They either replace it or send it back to you. Um, pricing availability, October in the U.S. with an MSRP of 739 So that's... yeah. That's what sixty, eighty bucks more than a regular nine eighty yeah. Ti. I think it's a little cheaper than the EVGA Hydro. Is it one, a little bit cheaper I than think, the EVGA version like of something bucks, similar maybe. to this? I don't know. I'm not sure if that's a nine eighty. It's that has to be a nine eighty Ti for that price. This is a, this is a Ti. Yeah. I meant the uh, oh yeah EVGA one. Oh the EVGA one. Yeah. I I am just like this picture of this box. Just kind of like Josh and I were talking earlier. It's like remember the OCZ sold a GTX. Uh, sold GeForce cards. So did Crucial. And then, yeah, Ken said mm-hmm. the Crucial did. I had a oh. Crucial 9800 GTX. That recently. Your head explode. Yeah. It's too bad I threw away the Zotac water-cooled box. I had one. I had uh, Thermaltake water-cooled NVIDIA cards. I'm sure I still have them. Um, remember, the, what was the Thermaltake water, self-contained water, uh, like kind of like... Easy to do, closed loop thing, big water, I think is what they called it. Something like that. Yeah, it was like Thermal Take Big Water. And uh, they sold video cards, like they were just NVIDIA reference cards with water coolers and blowers attached to them. That's weird. Uh, we've got a couple of other things we're going to run through here. I didn't really, uh, I didn't watch this video, but I was excited about the Steam controller again because Ste- uh, Valve emailed me to verify my shipping address for the Steam controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that's coming up in less than a month shipping date, right? Uh, but Scott did post a video where uh, OMG Chad talks with uh, Robin Walker is uh, uh, 
about the new Steam controller. Where is it here? Yeah, the man who takes responsibility for all the hats in Team Fortress 2. <laughs> uh, scheduled to launch on November 10th, but uh, I think we're supposed to get ours before that, like October 16th or 20th or something like that. Um, I, I don't really have anything else to say here. I, I am excited to try it. Does anybody else have any interest in using this device that I'm showing you here? Nothing. For instance, let's see what Robin Walker says. The grips on the back, the reason for the grips on the back is because they found that people were taking their thumbs off the view stick for just a couple of actions, such as reload or use. He also discusses the dual stage triggers, which have a button at the end for secondary actions, like a nitro boost at the end of your throttle. It's somewhat expected that a representative for a company selling controller would highlight what makes their product unique, but it's nice to have extra behind-the-scenes insights. So that's interesting. So you have triggers that, as you push down, but then there's another ratchet, like another latch. There's a click at the end. Like a click at the end, like if like on a key travel, maybe mm-hmm. to somewhat. That's pretty cool. That is another input. mechanical controller. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be cool to try it. Something new. Like maybe it'll be awesome. We can't really tell. Some yeah. cars, some cars have that at the bottom of their gas pedal. It's called kick down button. Really? Yeah. So with force is the transmission of downshift. Mine does. Yeah. yeah. Does it really? Yeah. yeah. You hit the gas pedal to the, to what you think is the floor, but then there's another like. There's definitely more. Yeah. Like this. So what happens if you just do that? If you, you hit the button, you can't like really. You, you can't. You can't go all the way down and like it's all in hard, one it's motion. It's hard enough. More. Well, yeah. you could. It's just. It's more enough that. What if you comes? hit it really hard multiple times <laughs> and suddenly you're you're past red line and first gear? It doesn't. It doesn't go. <laughs> or if, what if it's like in the games where it just automatically goes in a reverse? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> down, 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 reverse. No. And then you're, all your engine relationship with transmission Woo. has decreased. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back triggers are cool, or back, like the buttons yeah. on the back are cool. Yeah. I hope I'm looking at this picture here in this video from PAX, and I, I hope it doesn't like it isn't really that shiny, like fingerprinty, in real life. Yeah, you don't really want a glossy controller because no. you're kind of sweating on it. And yeah. You have white stains and it's yeah. awful, and you got to explain it to family. Yeah. We'll know. We'll know in less than a month. Oh, uh, what else we have? Dell XPS 12 might be a Surface Pro alternative. Uh, it seems like everybody has a Surface competitor now. Ken, you saw the Lenovo one. Yeah, the Yoga. And how about that Apple one? Apple has one yeah. with the well, iPad Pro. Start of. Kind of. <laughs> it's close. Beat you. It's still running a tablet OS, so it's useless. Yeah, probably. No, it has a stylus now. It has a pencil, sorry, thank pencil. you very much. <laughs> it's a pencil. Uh, so the Dell XPS 12, which... Man, the naming scheme is getting to me because, like, the Dell XPS 13 is nothing like this. Is it's that, a, it's right? a laptop. Yeah. It's a really great I mean, laptop. This is kind of like a laptop. I, yeah. I mean, I guess. They really need some different letters. It's a two-in-one. It's not a laptop. Right? By the way, the fact that we use two-in-one instead of convertible mm. is stupid. Blame Intel. But Intel... No, blame Asus. Intel tried convertible for like two years and it never caught on, so they said, okay, we're moving on to two-in-one. Yeah. Um, designed to easily transition from laptop to tablet, magnetic connection enables one-handed transition. Wink. Uh, display optimized in tablet mode, productive, uh, productive mobility and mobility base. Uh, what else we got here? 4K monitor. I like that they call it an 8-megapixel world-facing camera for uh, sharp photos uh, and videos. It's just the back camera. World-facing. Uh, 
what the world is not in front of it. Half of the world is behind it's, you, it's and only, half the world is in front of you. Yeah, at any given moment. <sighs> but it faces looking, the whole thing. As, as soon as someone labels it the outside the asylum camera, I'll just buy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you guys are familiar with Douglas Adams and so long. Yeah. Thanks for all the fish. Mm-hmm. Okay, never mind. <sighs> no. Uh, just have Thunderbolt 3 uses a USB Type C connector for 40 gigabits per second of bandwidth. Um, we don't know what processor we'll use. Obviously, it's going to be Skylake of some kind. We don't know if it's Core M or a Core i5, i3 type you of thing. really hope an i5, i3. Yeah. It looks like it has a kickstand. Yeah. So it's it's kind of interesting considering last week Dell started selling the Surface Pro through Enterprise. Oh, yeah, that's true. So people that only have Dell service or hardware contracts can buy Surface Pros. Right. But it looks like they're going to kind of push their own. This might be more consumer-facing than Enterprise. Yeah, I mean, it's so. XPS, so it should be. Like, the XPS brand will be consumer-facing. Yeah. XPS is supposed to be a consumer brand. Is Latitude, like, even an active brand anymore? I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's not a good one. <laughs> Fair enough. One. But, I don't know. I, I, I really have been impressed with the XPS 13, so I'm lo- looking forward to any derivative thereof. The XPS 15 sounded interesting to me, mm-hmm. uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give the 12 a shot as well. This was interesting. NVIDIA sent this along. We usually don't just kind of push stuff that they email us, but this was really cool. Apparently at PAX, they had some artists uh, use the Vive controller and um, the – what are those the – Vi- the Vive headset. And what are the controllers called? The um, Is that what it is? Aren't they like nunchucks or something? Or? So you can – well, they're custom. Project one. So you can see what they're doing. Is they're, they're making art in three dimensions in VR. And if you if you watch this video, we're showing a little bit of it uh, now. Oh, Tetero. It's it's really cool it's how they awesome. do it, right? Because you're able to like move around in 3D space and get behind something and 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 adjust it. You see him as he draws that. He kind of looks around. You see the video of them creating it, almost like it's a sculpture in space. Wow. Right. Um, and it's and it's really cool. So apparently they had 30 minutes to create some work in this setup. Uh, Using, I guess, are they using Unreal? That is pretty just badass. Look at that. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's really cool looking, and imagine you can imagine what, how much they'd be able to do if they had, you know, more than thirty minutes. This was like, a, hey, what can you do real quick? Yeah. Type of thing. Um, looks like they who did they get? They got uh, artists from Uber Entertainment, Double Fine, uh, Witherend, Creative, uh, Penny Arcade, uh, uh, Northway Games, and Valve. Look at that. Look at those. That's pretty cool. They have a Disney guy that did yeah, this Glenn in a Keen separate environment. Say it again, Jeremy. Glenn Keen. Oh, okay. He, he's essentially the guy where if you say that kind of looks like it's a Disney thing, that was the, the, the dude that drew it. Oh, let me see. We've got his video here. If I link too. to a Vimeo video of it. Let's see. Let's jump ahead. Jump into it a fair bit. Okay, jumping ahead more, jumping ahead more. There, there's the hardware. Okay, he's drawing Ariel. You can see that already. My wife, he's really will good be at very it. proud of me. Like, this is yeah, this is probably the more impressive. This is than, impressive as hell. Yeah. Oh, is he? That's just impressive a, motion tracking he, on the controller. He's making in a three D Ariel. Yeah. Yes, he's not drawing her flat. Yeah. Well, the other, the other things we saw in the NBA one were I know, as well. But like, and the smile on his face is also You don't normally of... see a cartoonist drawing 3D cartoons at yeah. point, right? Like, I think her face is still going to be flat. 
So it's cool. So he's walking through the bubbles <laughs> to her. That's really cool. Josh, don't get any ideas. Josh. Nope. Too late. No ideas. Mm. Is that the end? What's going on? No. I don't know. Oh, Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, sometimes more. No more for you. That's pretty cool stuff. I, I mean, I have no artistic talent or capability. And I don't think I like, would if I put this on. No, I, I, that's not going to change <laughs> anything. Change. But I would love to like, have those people's creations be built. Oh, yeah. You now, what's, what's important is in all those things is they have this big empty room to walk around in yeah. as well. It's true. Right. Of course, your art gallery is going to look like that, too. Yeah. Well, I thought you said you had a bunch of pictures. Here, put these on. Oh. Apart from that, it's going to be an empty room. I heard some rumors about, like, places that were being built that were, like, giant rooms. Okay. Like, foam. uh, It's solitary confinement, I think. No, like, big big (laughs) warehouses with, with foam structures. Okay. Right? And then you had, like, 3D on. And as you walked around this place... Like you could be in any environment as long as those structures were there to like represent things in the real world. So you knew you could walk up to it, but you couldn't like walk through it. Like it, okay. If it showed, up, if it was physically in the real world, it showed up in the virtual world as well. Like talking about like virtual laser tag and stuff like that that you could do with this. All that depends on Man, having that could be awesome. Super accurate, you know, low latency but, motion. Like being able to run around a room. Virtual laser tag. VR laser tag. Well, you could man. be in any environment, right? Like yeah. that foam thing but, could be a rock or it could be uh, uh, an enemy or it could be a structure of some kind. But or why aren't you just playing a first-person shooter in VR at that point? Because you're actually now you're, you're walking you around You could do that in the first, like... Right, like you don't need to be competing against anyone at that point. No, no, you're right. You could, it could yeah. be a, a zero-person thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be a single-player deal versus or a multiplayer thing in the same warehouse. <laughs> Imagine two people running into each other, <laughs> looking the wrong directions. <laughs> that way, you would the impact Clunk. would be so much better. Man, you'd break that some way. Hardware. You'd be breaking oh stuff. You'd have to put on like foam padding yeah. too to like save yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, actually. Totally off topic. There's a commercial. I think it's a beer commercial where they're playing soccer with those giant inflatable uh, clear balls around them. Yeah. Can I just buy yes. those? Well, yeah. You yeah, can buy those. Yeah. There's a place you can do that. My friend did it for his bachelor party. Really? I was out of yeah. town, but yeah. Because it's just funny because they just run into each other full speed and <laughs> yeah. like bounce they backwards and roll around. And that looks pretty fun. I think I'd like to try that. Yeah. This whole VR stuff with a 3D printer would be kind of cool. Like you could just model instead of having to use CAD you could draw yep. something and then print it 3D oh, print it was that? wasn't it a printer company that I did a long two three months ago that's working on one of those 3D vision things for exactly that was I don't Lexar? remember sounds like a thing Lexar they're still around right? oh god yeah so's brother for some reason <laughs> uh, let's move on we got a couple more things here HD Plex H5 um this is, I think it's still in a preview form here. Uh, seven months later, apparently Fanless Tech has taken another look at it. It will weigh eight kilos. Uh, it has a supported CPU. Cooling performance has been bumped up five watts to 95 watts TDP and will allow mini ITX, micro ITX, and full ATX motherboards. Here's why this case is interesting. Holy crap. Is that the cooler, the case is the cooler. Right? So. Yeah, it's one big heat sink. All of the metal acts as one big heat sink. And uh, those are the heat pipes coming off the CPU onto uh, the rest of it. So obviously that means you have to have... It looks like it's made in such a way where it could 
you have some wiggle room. You have a little bit of wiggle room. Yes. Yeah. Looks like it could slide left or right, maybe it, a little bit. And up and like, there's grooves in. Yeah. The, there's the, grooves in here in the heatsink block, and there's grooves in the back of the chassis. So you could you have motion on the X and the Y as to where your so CPU the, is. So this has eight pipes to the CPU and eight to the discrete GPU. If installed, this makes it an effective home theater PC case, accepting CPUs up to the Intel Core i7 6700K, which is 95 watts. The same number of heat pipes go to the GPU, but that TDP is not listed. If it is similar to CPU's 95 watt, that doesn't go too far in the GPU land. Don't expect to passively cool a 980 Ti or anything. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Um, if you really don't want a fan, it's a badass home theater case. Yeah, it is. Which is exactly what it's meant for. Yep. Uh, apparently, it's going to be under 300 bucks. That's expensive, but I, you know, if, if it's as it's a lot of copper and aluminum, it's, <laughs> if it's as engineered as well as it's presented. Yeah. then I see no problem with that. And I think this is a case design that has been around for a long time, but it was like, maybe not a, a long time, but it was like one specific motherboard it worked on because mm-hmm. your the CPU block had to be in one specific location. It might not have been this company. There's probably still going to be... People have been doing this the past couple of years where it's kind of adjustable like that, but I think this is one of the cheaper options I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it looks pretty interesting. There might still be a compatibility list. Yeah. If there's any components... I mean, you, you can know. see here, this is the GPU actually being cooled because you can see the riser, uh, the ribbon oh. cable for the uh, add-in graphics card here. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, you can see the display connections over here and then the PCI Express connection. So 6700K, that mini ITX board we were just looking at. Perfect. So, but they said... Home theater. Yeah, but you can't have a discrete GPU in that, right? I, I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see if the whole case can do 95 watts or if it can really do 95 watts well, on the CPU and something else on the GPU. I mean, you don't particularly need yeah, a discrete you, GPU for a home theater PC. Yeah, you don't really. You don't. No. As long as you have a board that yeah, does I'm HDMI think of like, 2. I mean, a 750Ti is 75 watts. Right. Yeah. Right? Now, and that's a huge upgrade over what you have in any integrated graphics. Mm-hmm. So that would, that would be a use. If it can do 75 watts on the on the GPU and 95 watts on the CPU, that would be really, really cool to have a completely passively cooled system. Run an SSD, uh, you know, have it be completely silent. Mm-hmm. Although, I'm not, like, it seems like it's just a GPU block, so you still have VRMs that need to be cooled in memory. On yeah, the but maybe on the 750 Ti, you don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah. I mean, if I look at... The yeah, actually, the, the, the stock heat sink doesn't have... Yeah, it's over there. I can't reach it, but I think it's o- only it, on the GPU. It's only on the yeah. GPU. Yeah. Huh. So I think that would be that would be an interesting uh, Pretty idea. Pretty cool. Again, you were talking about niche markets. <laughs> this is more niche than the Nano, mm-hmm. but still really cool tech. So uh, our final news piece here is there was a report that TSMC has been chosen to produce NVIDIA's Pascal and the 16 nanometer FinFET technology. Uh, according to Business Korea, TSMC has been selected to produce Pascal after initially competing with Samsung for the contract. Um... There was a possibility, of course, of both Samsung and TSMC sharing production, uh, but at the end, the duties fall to TSMC's 16mm FinFET alone if this report is accurate. Not surprising considering the relationship between TSMC and GPU makers and Samsung's lack of experience in this area. Um, No more details on availability or release, just saying next year, uh, and everything still points to a 16-gig iteration of HBM2. So an improvement over uh, what AMD has on on Fiji with HBM1. I just love how compact that Pascal. Just yeah, I'm not sure is. how accurate this is going to be. 
That's a very old picture. Yeah, it's it's been around for a really really long they've time. Been, it is, but that looks like what could be a realistic. That's like a laptop. Oh yeah, bit card. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. not saying that that would be what your you know desktop no. GPU no. would come on. Also, like, I'm pretty sure that there needs to be like this is not how HBM is implemented. Well, it depends. Mm. Like you can. There's no interposer. It, that way. it depends there, right? on the. Uh, I think there is. The interposer could just be that. Yeah. Okay. If you say so. That just looks like a piece of substrate to me. It does look like, but yeah. the interposer has got to be there to be HBM. Okay. So this this graphic just might not be accurate. Yeah. Gotcha. It's kind of like, you know, the original uh, 3DFX Voodoo 5, 6000, how they had multiple configurations, sure. but they didn't figure it out until the end where it still didn't work. Yeah. It's that. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about uh, 16 nanometer for for Pascal. I mean, is that? I mean, it's got to. We've got to be time to. Move it's it's got to be FinFET right? Plus. It it's not going to be regular 16 nanometer FinFET that they're starting to ship right now. Um, GPUs require more power. They've got to be a little bit faster. And FinFET Plus is going to be the product that uh, TSMC is probably aiming. It could have very different power characteristics than what we have seen in the past we might in fact see gpus that will not get anywhere close to 250 watts tdp just because of limitations in the process technology uh certainly they will still be faster than what we have now and you can pack more transistors in you can still run them pretty quick but uh you're going to be looking to go more wide than you are in clock speed and overall uh power consumption we still don't know enough about these processes. I mean, Intel has got a pretty big lead on everybody yeah. in terms of FinFET. And only now are we starting to see, you know, non-really high-end stuff. I mean, certainly they're, they're high-end Xeons. Um, they're older, older um, Ivy Bridge E that uh, were 125 watts and above. They have kept lower than that. Uh, just because I think there are some limitations in terms of the process technology to where you can go and only the really good chips can go up to that point with uh, very specific designs. Um, trying to think what else. But you know, Samsung's 14 nanometer, it's in production as well. There's not a whole lot of difference. It's a little bit more size optimized, but otherwise uh, a lot of the basics seem to be about the same. So... It's going to be a real interesting game to see who goes where. I'm pretty sure AMD for CPUs will will be doing Global Foundry's 14 nanometers, which is an offshoot of uh, Samsung's 14 nanometer. Right. But it's it's a real crapshoot about where the graphics are going to go. I mean, they have a very very long relationship with TSMC. They're used to the engineers there, the tools that they use. And uh, just how they do the design flows and uh, standard cells, they could go one way or the other, depending on where executives want to send the money to which foundry. So it could be that AMD will help uh, global foundries get a little bit more off the ground with these products. Or they could just keep CPUs with global foundries and GPUs with TSMC. We'll see. Yes. I'm ready for a move on uh, GPU process technology, regardless of where they go. 
I think I'm ready for it. I think, I think my body is ready, Josh. I'm certainly ready to get off the 28 nanometer node. It's old. It's crotchety. It doesn't smell as nice. Reminds me a lot of Josh. Yeah. 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 All right, let's get to our picks of the week. Before we actually start them, though, I will uh, give a quick shout-out to uh, reader and listener of the podcast, Tony Morrow, who stopped by the office today. He was one of the winners of the Logitech G29 racing wheel contest that we had. He happened to live, I think it was like an hour and a half away down in Louisville, yep. and he stopped up today, hung out for a little while. We gave him his prize, mm-hmm. saved me on some shipping. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got to hang out and look around the office and... We asked him some questions about networking crap that he did, and he asked us some questions about storage crap that Alan was doing. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So thanks for stopping by, bud. Good time. And uh, have fun with that wheel. Yeah, buddy. I guess. You may have been using the one that was used by these hands. I smell like copper. So wash it. They smell like pennies. Yeah, wash it. <laughs> Smells like pennies. You, know you know it's not your hands that smell like pennies after you handle pennies, right? It's a bacteria. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Pennies. No, no. The, it's it's the not the pennies. Down, it's not the pennies that smells. It's the it's your the hands that smell. Copper breaks down your. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It, it is your hands. Yeah. It's your hands that the smell. Pennies not make the pennies. your hands smell. Right. So like something. If you if you pick up a penny with like tweezers and uh-huh. smell it, what's it smell like? It's nothing. I think that's bullcrap. I wouldn't know. I'm Canadian. We got yeah, rid of them. What does it taste like? <laughs> now, if it does smell like something, then it's, that's from the other people that have handled it. Oh, that's from where it right, came from. Wash, so a jar of pennies, a, a jar of pennies that smells like pennies, it actually smells like everybody else's funk. That's it's not on funk. The it's just normal bacteria in your hand. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now you smell like Al. Uh, all right, picks of the week. Here we go. Uh, I'm cheating on mine and just going with that stand charger that we talked about earlier. It's 64.99 on Amazon. It is one of those devices that uh, has this incredibly long, unnecessarily so descriptive descriptive name on Amazon. Stand charger, seven port, multi USB charger station, seven times 2.4 amps, fastest speed, 84 watts, universal compatibility, AC wall charger for iPad, iPhone, Samsung, Android tablets, and more. Model number AC121. Just call it the AC121. I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, It's a good device. It does exactly what it's supposed to do. If you are one of those people that has a setup like this where you have all these wall warts in different places throughout your kitchen so that you can have uh, many things plugged in all at once, uh, this will will help you out a lot. I do wish – the only thing I wish is they maybe included a couple of these shorter cables um, to help put you on the right track of a little bit better organization of those things um but um still impressed either way and uh yeah so there you go you can so is the new ipad gonna fit on that is it gonna tip it over it's gonna be too heavy it's a good question if you put it on the end maybe you gotta put it on the, the cord might not be reached the, the, might, the short cord might not reach the port it's true yeah yeah. You can see here, like a seven pack of those USB Link Lightning two o two in ones is fifty nine dollars. Uh, that's cheaper than ten bucks each, but it is it's still pricey. adds up. It's still look at those nice you're basically, cables. You're basically doubling the price of uh, uh, of your your kind of setup there. Hey, how's it with the ship to Cincinnati, Ohio? That's weird. I'll look at that later. I don't know what that's all about. Probably Ken. Damn it, Ken. Uh, who's next, Jeremy? What do you got for me? Well, since obviously they ain't going to learn it at school, electronics is something that kids should learn. So here's five projects that make different clocks. Because 
Lord only knows that this is stuff you should teach, and it's a great way to find out if you're being educated by lunatics. Uh, my personal <laughs> favorite is that one you're looking at right there. I think that's when it's cool. Yeah. That it's, one you should definitely make because the people that sell it, it is ex- insanely expensive. Yeah, I've been meaning to make yeah. one of those for years. Yeah. But it's Arduino-powered. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my, oh, my God. There's five of them in there uh, as soon as you close the stupid pop-up that they put <laughs> Ooh, up there. Way to go. Hey, Roger. Hey, Kroger. <laughs> <laughs> Did that just, like, swirl around yeah, the screen as yeah. it opens? You play, like, the Batman effect. Look at those what prices. Holy crap, look at that toaster. That is impressive. Oh, man, Star Wars gear? You're giving them there free you go. advertisement. Oh, Stop. I bought one of those plates. I bought an R2-D2 <laughs> plate. Anyway, moving on. Well, now you can buy more. <laughs> <laughs> But every single one of them comes, uh, Make is a great magazine if no one has run into it yet. So there's a full project, uh, step-by-step of how to do it, as well as a parts list, which generally have links directly to the the better places on the web to buy them. Yeah. So none of these are going to be extremely expensive. None of them are going to be extremely hard. Uh, There's even at the very bottom one that you 3D print out. So you literally are making your clock from scratch. Radio Shack doesn't work anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> radio shit it's, it's, it's just the shack yeah it's radio it case is. it's the out of business shack yep alright uh, Josh me uh, there's this really wonderful tool that uh, if you want to plug in a hard drive an make external sure, one make sure you pronounce and you get it that, correctly what make sure huh? you pronounce it correctly test drive no oh I thought it was called test disc it is oh test disc you're right. Sorry. Alan is probably very familiar with this. Yes? No, actually. Are you not? Are you kidding? I usually so use anyway. different stuff. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, this is a nice uh, DOS-based. It's not gooey. So uh, one of the uh, primaries in the company came into my office and said, uh, yeah, my external drive, which has a lot of critical data on it, doesn't work. And I plug it in. Of course, it pops up with the error you need to format this disk to read it, and the last thing I want to do is format over his. Oh, okay, click. Two hundred fifty gigs. Just of, say yes. Of it's the only data. way he's going to learn. That is non-reproducible. Yeah. Uh, I went and got this test drive, test disk. So it's I don't know why I got a test drive. Just when you said it runs under DOS, that mm-hmm. immediately tells me you're going to be able to recover data much uh, with a much better probability than Windows mm-hmm. with a drive that's flaky like that. Because yes, you know, Windows doesn't. You run that thing. You you scan the disk. It it, yeah. it tells you what kind of partition structure you probably should pick. You pick that, and then suddenly you see all of these files pop up, and you copy all of them to something that a Windows machine can read, and therefore saving your job. I like the idea of uh, the compressed file system being called CramFS. <laughs> cram, <laughs> cram it all in, just baby. Cram right here. CramFS. Yeah. How about pretty nice? How about Stacker? I like Fat X for Xbox. It's pretty good. None of the rest of them are funny. It's really handy. It actually says it it supports the Wii uh, file system as well. Nice. And Riser FS. Xbox file system is kind of oddball one to support. That is interesting. So anyway, it's it's free to use, but if you use it, they ask you, of course, to to pay for it. So I'm just going to screw them over and just save my job. Oh, <laughs> that's the spirit. 
How awesome yeah. of you. That's a spirit here. I'll click donate for you. What's your uh, credit card number, Josh? Yeah. yeah. Just read it. Just I'll, read it just, over I'll the podcast. It. I'll, just, I'll just handle it. Although it's in euros. Never mind. I'm not donating it. Ken, did we, ever, did we ever tell our uh, our viewers I about that, that camera card yeah. recovery? Yeah, there was one recovery I could we couldn't do without formatting the card. Yeah. Because the recovery software was being thrown off by, by a corrupt partition info on the card. So the only way to recover the files properly mm-hmm. was to actually quick format it, which put <laughs> the correct directory structure like root on it, and then we were able to run the same yeah. same exact piece of software, ran across it, and everything like came back perfect. It was the weirdest recovery we've ever done. Nice. Yep. All right, your last then, Alan. What do you got? So if you have Samsung drives and you don't use Samsung Magician, especially if you have 840 series stuff that has not yet been fixed... Hint, hint. Well, they just released the fix. No. What? Not for the uh, MSATA version of the 840 Evo. Have they released anything for the 840 yet? Uh, no, they haven't uh, yet. Then you don't need to talk to I me. My seen, drive is still broke. Here's the thing. I've seen enough hints because they just updated Magician to 4.7, and in the notes for that included a line talking about compatibility with... Um, advanced performance restoration on the MSATA 840 Evo, specifically. And that was one model that had not yet been patched. Right. Right. Um, which was weird, because they came out with, you know, when they did the first attempt at a fix, it applied to all of the 840 Evos. It didn't matter if it was MSATA or not. When they did the second one, the one that actually worked... Um, advanced performance optimi- optimization support for 840 Evo MSATA. Yep. So, at a minimum, see now, I, and I tried that, and of course, it can't do the optimization on an MSATA 840 Evo yet, because there needs to be a firmware push to it as well. So, pretty soon here, we should have a firmware pushed out. Gotcha. And you're not going to see that unless you have magicians. Yeah, because the latest firmware is from April, and it says uh, supports advanced performance optimization in yeah. Magician 4.6. And I'm not even sure that if the firmware does come out for the MSATA model, it might not even appear on that page because they don't distinguish MSATA. Oh, okay. Right? So this might be just a special build that only goes gets pushed to MSATA drives. I'm not sure. Um, so there's that, and then I have a hunch that they might actually patch the regular 840. I'll have to find it. I think I shoved it in my dad's laptop after all of that stuff. So, yeah, here you won't notice. I, I, I have I, I have to at least hand it to them. I am shocked that they're even still like. If I was that company, I do think you it, have to hand it to them I, I, it's for being persistent in trying to fix it? Were they really trying? Like, yeah. How long has it been? Yeah. Year? These things have to go through like a three month QC cycle. They didn't go through a three month anyway. QC QC cycle when they were fixing the A forty desktop drives. That's true. Because <laughs> not one that was were not one that was catching the slowdown. <laughs> because they saw their Amazon review scores. Well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but whatever the reason, like they're. I mean, I'm know, glad they're doing it. They're still doing it. I, I'm just. I hope they're doing it. Well, and we have seen no issues with anything with the 850s, right? No, nothing with cool. 850s. Great. Perfect. And no issues have come up with the second version of the patch on the 840 series yeah. drives, 840 Evos. Yeah. Like that last fix fixed them. It's been a while. It's good. Anyway. So that may be coming. May be coming. So if you got those drives, 
make sure you got magician on there and uh, keep spamming that firmware update button. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap up the show. This has been the PC, PC Perspective Podcast. You can find us at PCPer.com slash podcast. Uh, you can find us at YouTube.com slash PCPer, Twitter.com slash PCPer, Facebook.com slash PCPer. Uh, and we record this show Wednesday nights. Live stream it out, PCPer.com slash live. And again, one more reminder to PCPer.com slash subscribe if you want to sign up for a mailing list so I can send you a gentle uh, reminder about our live streams when they do actually occur so you can be gentle. here for all the fun gentle very gentle they hang out in the chat room that i that i monitor here uh and we'll have all kinds of uh interesting discussion topics for you to enjoy i guess that's it uh i think we'll be back next week we'll probably be here somebody will be here probably i may even have a review not uh, this not time. Me. Let's let's Maybe. not let's not jump ahead of. Not overpromise. Yeah, here. let's let's underpromise and overdeliver. Here we can. We uh, may have a content next next week. Next week, yeah, there might be content that might also have something to do with the fact that I will not be here. I will be in Korea. Okay. I come from Korea. North or south? Seoul, South Korea. Oh, Samsung. Where Samsung is. There's a lot of other companies there. LG is there. But the only reason I've gone to Seoul, Korea for the past three times has been Samsung. And there is Seoul always reason, been. eh? And then Seoul reason, yes. Ooh. Just saying. And on that note, so something I'm might Ryan be coming. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. <laughs> I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Mamatani. Bye. Bye.